Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Property. I'm Peter Switzer and on tonight's show we talk to one of Australia's best developers, Tim Gurner, on how buyers are returning to real estate and what they think about apartments with building and cladding issues. Next, the founder of Century 21, Charles Tarby, tells us what's happening in real estate at the coalface and who's right, CoreLogic or REA, when it comes to house price rises. And finally, the MD of Qualitas, Tim Johansson, weighs up his thoughts about what the property market is like right now as a lender and funder of developers. That's the show for tonight. Tim Gurner, thanks for joining us on the Switzer TV Property Show. How are you, Peter? All the better for seeing you, mate. Now, I've got to say, I always thought about you over 2017, 2018, when we know that both Sydney and Melbourne house prices were, were struggling. How did you find that period? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Looking back now, obviously at the time we thought 2017 was tough. Um, we obviously look back now and think it was absolute boom time. You know, it was it was sales were easy. There were a lot of people around, a lot of interest. There was a lot of um, you know a lot happening back in 2017. 2018 we thought was a lot harder again, um, and we look back at that now and think that was really easy compared to the last nine months. All right. So, what are you saying? The last nine months is has been hard. Oh yeah, I, we, we really felt it when Malcolm Turnbull got rolled. That was probably the one date for us that really changed everything. Mm. I think the day that Malcolm Turnbull got turned over, we obviously everyone thought Shorten was coming in, there was going to be a lot of tax change, a lot of negativity came into the okay. market. We then had the Banking Royal Commission, we then had everyone waiting for the election and it was a, a period that was by far the hardest period I've seen in my career without doubt. Yeah. And interestingly, we all sort of thought after the election it was going to come back pretty strong and as you know, it didn't. Um, so it's really interesting. You can imagine what would have happened if there was that conversion over to Shorten. Mm. So what are you seeing right now? Um, how many properties would you have uh, available for sale? And, and what's the market reaction? Because you've implied that was a, it's been a bit slow since the election. Yeah, look, we've been, it, it has been very, very hard, but we've actually had a great 12 months. We've, we've sold 750 million since October last year. But I'll say it's been incredibly difficult and they've been very special projects. So we've obviously got St. Moritz, which was 450 million, and then we've just sold out of Victorian Vine as well, where we've got six apartments left there, which is a $300 million job. So those two jobs, very iconic, very special projects and a little bit out of the normal market. So really what we're seeing in the market is anything that is an absolute A grade is very, very slow and very difficult or, or even not possible, really. Um, so we, you go on, go on, you go on. Um, so St. Moritz, we've got four apartments left there. We've got six apartments left at Victorian Vine, which we just started demolition on yesterday. So we've had a we've had a good period, but it's been incredibly hard work and having to do ten to fifteen times the amount of work to get the same results as what we had to two years ago. Yeah. Before the election, were you, you know, suffering sleepless nights, or you? able to survive the, the pressure of being a developer? <laughs> I was trying to work out how you can drive for Uber. I was trying to work out how you could be a registered <laughs> driver, to be honest. Now, look, at the, you know, pre, the thought of Shorten coming in is a very, was a very frightening thought for all of us in real estate, as you'd know. And I think we now see the fact that he didn't get in. And, and even then, the market has been very, very tough. The effect he would have had would have been absolutely catastrophic. And I think we would have seen some very significant price falls. Okay, a part of your business always is to have 
lenders on side. Historically, the banks have treated you well. Um, uh, what, what's the, the treatment like? So well, just talk us through, was there a period over 17 and 18 where banks became a little bit more gun shy, maybe pre-election? And has that gun shyness, if it existed, has it changed? I think there's two forms, obviously, is the retail lending, which is to our, our purchases at the back end. That has been incredibly difficult, obviously. I think that's where the market has hurt the most. Mm. Um, people are finding it very hard to, to prove up incomes, prove up cost base, and actually be able to get debt levels. And if they can get debt levels, they were getting sort of 30 to 40% less than what they would have two years ago, as, as you well aware know. Mm -hmm. um, that's had a massive effect on confidence. I mean, people that could have very easily borrowed in a normal environment are having trouble borrowing, having trouble settling. Um, that has into confidence. I think we're starting to see that come back now. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure from the Treasurer, there's a lot of pressure from the CEOs of the banks to say, we've taken it too far, we need to ease back, and we need to start to get some liquidity back in the market. Because if if they don't, we're going to see a fundamental undersupply in the next 18 to 24 months and something that will do reverse everything that the Banking Royal Commission was about. And that's one element of it. For construction lending for us, we've been, as you mentioned, very, very fortunate. We've got a great relationship with ANZ. Um, they, they supported me $300 million at St. Ritz and then another $150 million at Victorian Vine. And we're getting structures and deals very similar to what we were two years ago. There hasn't been a huge change for us. However, I know we're in a very small minority that is getting lending from the major banks. Majority of people are using second tier lenders and super funds. Super funds have taken a big piece of the market now as well. Mm. And groups like MaxCap, um, they've taken a very large chunk of the market. Mm. Uh, Tim, do you think because you do specialise in high end and not so cheap apartments, that that has actually been a help to you because the people who are more likely to get money I would have thought were people who are pretty well healed. Yeah, absolutely. I think St. Moritz is a, is a prime example. I mean, the buyers there, I didn't get one question about finance or one question about the market or the economy or jobs because mm -hmm. most of those people there are downsizing from a large home. They're selling a larger asset and buying a cheaper apartment. Um, and so if you're selling something for 10 million, buying something for six, you are deleveraging or you're actually putting money aside as well. So definitely in that market, we've seen, we've been very, very fortunate. Um, but the investment market is also really important, you know, like everyone's saying, oh, the Chinese investors came in and killed our market. Well, I think the Chinese investors help regulate prices. I mean, as we all know, the fundamentals of supply and demand dictate our market and the Chinese developers and buyers came in and bought a huge amount of supply to our market. And we're still seeing rental vacancies under one and a half percent and rents rising. So mm. imagine if they weren't there. I mean, I think we would have seen significant price growth if the Chinese weren't there. Yeah, I guess one big issue that's bobbed up over the last year or so has been concerns about the structural integrity of apartment blocks and then you've also got the cladding issue. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I, I don't think you'd ever put your hand up and say, I've got integrity issues with my apartment blocks or anything like that because I know the way you operate. But because that image is out there in the market, is mm. it making harder for developers to you know, talk confidently about their products because some buyers would be just nervous? Yeah. Unfortunately, the cladding and the building issues have had a massive impact on off the plan. And I guess if you look at off the plan as a brand, the brand has had significant um, issues in the last 12 months. Unfortunately, though, it is a very small minority. And the big issue with structural integrity in particular is it's all focused to Sydney, where Sydney and New South Wales, as you know, is the only state that doesn't have dual certification. So in Sydney, you can have a young person in a structural engineer's office 
draw design issue to a builder and no one checks it. Whereas in Victoria and Queensland, we have dual certification. So someone independent reviews every structural drawing and has to check it and make sure it's right. And that's the big difference. And that's why the focus has mainly been in New South Wales. And we haven't had those issues so far in Victoria or Queensland. Mm. Um, the cladding issue, look, for me, I'm very fortunate. I don't like cladding on buildings personally. I like using raw materials and concrete and steel. This product is a product that was approved by everyone. You know, there's a lot of criticism out there about a few builders at the moment, which is extremely unfair because this is a product that was approved by the VBA, approved by every single authority in Victoria, and they're trying to do the blame game, building blaming builders, but this is a product that was approved to be able to use for architects, builders, and developers. You know, yes, unfortunately, it's a terrible product that should never been out there, and it needs to be stripped off the buildings, but we can't be blaming builders who have followed the rules and done everything right. Okay. One last one, mate. Uh, well, there are a couple of last ones. I always have more than one last one. Uh, what can governments do to make it easier for developers to increase the supply without clearly undermining the, the integrity of the products that are going to be built? Yeah, I think, look, planning approvals, if we start at the start, planning approvals has to be a better streamlined process. Um, you look at some of the local councils down here, it's run by six or eight councillors who don't know much about property, if anything about property. It really needs to be dictated by industry leaders who understand what's happening and government officials that are looking to the future growth of Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland. People that are saying we need to house another one million people in the next 10 years or whatever the number is and actually looking at it from a strategic perspective, not a, it should never be dictated by people who can control votes. You know, the biggest issue for me is if you're a councillor and I'm one big bad developer and there's 500 locals that are objecting, of course I'm going to go to the locals because I want their votes. It needs to be something that sits outside of politics and is looking at the future strategy of each individual state. Um, the other thing obviously is funding at the moment. I mean, retail lending is a major issue. We've got a lot of people that should be able to secure lending very easily um, in a very normal process, but it is extremely difficult. There's 85 to 86 checkpoints through a simple investment loan um, application nowadays. That has to change. You know, I know obviously we need to have transparency and, and realness through the finance process, but it also has to allow people to be able to borrow and for the economy to keep going. Because all of our states, particularly Victoria, where 48% of our state revenue is um, from the property industry, we have to keep the industries moving um, or we're going to see a massive undersupply, which now CBA's come out, RBA's come out and said we're looking like there's going to be undersupply in 18 months. We've been saying that for three years and I thought it was pretty obvious because we're seeing rentals Every year we renew rentals, rents are going up, vacancy rates are still dropping, and building approvals have absolutely fallen off a cliff. So there's, you know, in 18 months time, I think we're gonna see real price surge. Yeah. Okay, one last one, um, the road ahead for Gurna. What's happening in uh, the year ahead? Look, we've got a really exciting year of delivery, to be honest. I mean, we've got St. Moritz under construction now, obviously, which is a very important project for us. Victoria and Vine under construction. We've got Albert Place completing in February, Hawksburn completing in February. We've got a couple of big projects we'll launch next year, but very much just, just watching the market pretty carefully. Like, we think that there will be a pretty big jump in prices and rentals at the end of next year, um, and that's when we'll have a really good look at it. And looking at a lot of opportunities, you know, for us, we don't need a huge, much, a huge amount more right now but always looking at new opportunities. And one, one final one, have young, young Australians overcome their avocado problem? <laughs> you had to ask me that one, didn't you? <laughs> I actually don't know. I think it's still getting a little bit of press, so maybe not yet. It is a great product though. 
<laughs> Great stuff. Tim Gurner, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, Peter. In our search to find out what's actually going on in the real estate market, there's no person better to talk to than Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21. Mate, good to see you. Thank you. Now, um, there's a bit of a controversy going on at the moment you know, with all the statisticians out there. And you know, um, CoreLogic, that's what, what the mm. group that's always reported in newspapers, but REA's um, chief economist, thinks that they are overstating the comeback right. in house prices in capital cities. What are you seeing out there, Charles? Well, they've got real figures. Mm. Uh, so they, they can't overstate whatever their numbers are out of the numbers. Mm. So uh, the, the feeling that we're getting, which is very, very different to what, uh, what it was like just only three or four months ago, yeah. lots more buyers, uh, fewer listings, although the listing numbers are climbing. Uh, a lot more uh, people interested in buying now feel that they've missed out because they, they were told to wait because mm. the prices are going to drop yeah. and they now feel like they've missed out. So if you, if you go out and talk to the agents and watch what's going on, there's so much more activity than we've seen in a very, very long time. Mm. And of course the auction clearance rates are indicating that that activity is turning into actual business. The mm. only thing slowing it down, of course, mm. is the uh, way in which banks are lending. Yeah. Now you're an unusual real estate agent, Charles. You're unusual in every aspect Actually, of your yeah, life. Thanks, yeah. But, but you, you warned about the house price boom mm -hmm. around 2016. You, you thought it was excessive. You thought right. it was going yeah. to cause a problem, and it did. And a whole lot of mitigating yeah. factors apart from the fact that it was, the market was overbidding. But do you think there will be like a rebound back into the problematical era of 2016? No, I don't think it'll be that problematic. I think what's happened is we've gone back to the price levels of 2016, which is where they needed to go back to. People were predicting prices would be a lot lower mm. than that, that, um, that year, but uh, we could see 2016, 2017 has been where they needed to go back to. They did that, mm. and now they're levelling out, and they're starting to move in a gradual manner. And I think that that controlled gradual manner is good because listing numbers started to climb in the yeah. last few weeks. Yeah. They were short. So now more and more vendors are going, oh, you know what, this might be a good time to yeah. sell. Yeah. Their only issue is trying to find something to buy. Yeah, so uh, I want to ask you about that. Have you seen a listing problem like this before? And how long does it take to clear? And I guess the, the other yeah. curveball is with the population growth in places like that's the other area. Growth. That's the other area people aren't factoring in. Yeah. Now we, we were talking about this back in 2010, that by 2020, there'd be if they didn't build uh, a few hundred thousand homes each year, we would have a massive shortage. Yeah. Now we're coming back into that arena again, apart from apartment complexes coming up and having their issues. And we'll talk about that uh, too. The, yeah. the, the real issue is that listing, listings weren't the, um, the key years and years ago. In fact, there was that much stock in Australia mm. that nobody wanted to buy and this is why multiple listing groups came about because they tried to find ways to share their listings. Now yeah. agents don't want to share their listings at all. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's a very, very different world that we live in now. Yeah. The Australian uh, economy or, or the Austra attraction to Australian real estate is massive around the world. Mm. Nothing like it was when I was in the industry 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Now it's massive. Yeah. And I think that that's a completely different world that we live in and you can't go back historically and say, oh well, 
this is what it was like. No, no, no. We've got a lot of people who want to live here. We have a shortage of properties being built. Uh, unless they start really building momentum there, we will have an issue with property, uh, not buyers. Some alarmists worried that there's, there's an oversupply of apartments, there's a whole lot in the pipeline. Yep. But I think, well, at the very worst, it, will, might, it might drive prices down and all of a sudden people will be able to buy and right. there'll be stuff to buy. Are you worried about the apartment supply issue? Uh, it's been an issue for a couple of years and we flagged that as, mm. as a major, major problem mm. because we didn't think the valuations would stack up with no. the banks yeah. and that's what's happened. Um, yeah. Banks are getting nervous, increasing their loan value ratio, all sorts of different things. Yeah. So the potential for people to come in and buy apartments is already there now. Mm. It's a matter of whether they want to. This is the yeah, that's the next question. No, and, yeah. and there is some issues with those complexes because when you buy off the plan, mm. you buy the, the beautiful, wonderful picture. Nice picture. Uh, and, and when the, when the uh, complex is 100% sold, there's not as much pressure on the developers and all moving forward to really m uh, do anything spectacular to keep the interest of people because they've already got them. Yeah. And so I think there have been a few shortcuts after there have been a number of contracts in, and those shortcuts are now showing up in some of those buildings. Okay, how worried are buyers at the coalface about the structural integrity mm. of the mm. buildings that they're looking at, yeah. and secondly, um, the cladding issue? Look, fortunately in Australia, we, we, even though they talk about private certifiers as being the main cause of this, I mean, at the end of the day, the councils have got to agree uh, on the development, then they've got to give final approval on the yeah. development. Uh, I think that there might be a few issues out there, but I think in the mainstream, when you look at the number of apartments that have been mm. built out there, uh, the thousands and thousands of apartments across the country, there have been some issues with only a few modest ones, and I think that they're getting to the bottom of those very quickly. Yeah, so, so you're not seeing, say, young people who are natural candidates mm. for apartments because of the price, price point, they're not um, you know, f fearing that they mm. might be buying a, a, a pig in the poke. Oh, they probably are, but mm. then they've got to do their work. They've got mm. to do their homework. I mean, even if it's an apartment complex, yeah. uh, and even if I'm, I'm about to settle on it, I'm going to get a building inspector to come in and have a look. I'm yeah. going to pay for that. Yeah. and Because I want to know for sure yeah. that I'm getting what I paid for. Yeah, But given the fact that the developers might be feeling a bit toey about the customers feeling toey, right. uh, is there some better buying now mm. as a consequence? There is, and, and some of those buyers are not in the greatest of locations. The, the influx uh, of uh, developers into the, the industry over the last few years and then the, the multiple numbers of apartments coming up didn't always come up in great locations. Yeah. This is the thing. Uh, okay. So there's a lot of very average locations, uh, I think, around Sydney, yeah. uh, Brisbane, Melbourne, that are people, yeah, if they're going to buy it, they'll, they'll do okay, yeah. but they could sit there for a while before they get any real price gain because the rest of the market's got to <laughs> take off before those apartments are going to take off. Okay. What, what is the question I should have asked you that I haven't asked you? What's that? Well, you know, <laughs> given your brilliance and Where your do I come from? Where do I grow up? I grew up in Cookwell, Peter. No, Thank, no, thanks no, for reminding me. I guess from my point wonderful of view... Wonderful town. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I'm talking your history. All oh, right, all right. Your, your history is history. Yeah. But we want the future. Do you, do you think your, your, the feeling is that this market can gradually improve and that listings will eventually arrive and therefore eliminate the fear that a big house price boom takes off again. Yeah, I think so. I think that we're going to start to see a, a steadier flow of stock coming into the marketplace, which will take the pressure off um, the buyers because there's too many buyers turning up at open. So that sounds yeah. strange to say that. Mm. But, um, and there, uh, an auction I saw on the weekend, uh, parts of, they had 57 bidders 
bidders. Gee. You know, and, and this is sort of a bit Two years ago, they had that, zero. I was lucky to get one bidder when I was doing my auctions, yeah. and that was probably a person hiding behind a tree, and I couldn't even see them properly. <laughs> and you struggle to get a bid from people. Nowadays, that's not the battle. Mm. The battle is making sure that we get a good flow of stock. I'm starting to see a climb in the stock levels. Yeah. Each week, we're watching that the stock levels are, are increasing. Yeah. And I think that when we start to get a steady flow of stock and, and the developers start bringing, or the government starts looking at how to, how to assist builders uh, and developers build more property, I think we'll be fine. One last question, the latest first home buyer scheme, mm, mm. what do you think about it? Look, all of those, they keep coming in, mm. these schemes, keep, they come in, they seem to come in after the event. Uh, when they're when they're not as needed, That's right. and it take because uh, with the bureaucracy, it just seems to take so long to get things through. Mm. Uh, any assistance for first home buyers is great. I, I never got that chance when I was a first home buyer. Mm. Uh, back in my day, they were terminating building society loans, and they were at twelve and a half percent, nine yeah. three quarter percent. And if you qualified for those, you was like they were like hen's teeth. But mm. uh, it's great to see any opportunity to help a home buyer get in and establish themselves in their home, mm. in their home. Charles, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Charles Tarvey, founder of Century 21. Tim, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. So for people who don't know Qualitas, explain what you do, because I, I want to talk about property, obviously, mm. but from the point of view of where you specialise. Okay, so Qualitas is a, we're, we're a real estate investment manager. So what that means is we manage capital on behalf of um, institutional wholesale clients, both um, offshore and domestically. Mm. And that capital that's uh, invested with us is invested through a number of funds. Um, and various strategies, and then we deploy that into various um, transactions in the real estate industry. Okay. A lot of people wouldn't know what you're talking about, institutional money and stuff yeah. like that. Do you take normal people's money and put it into a big fund and then, then um, provide those funds to developers and other people like that? Yeah, so we have a mix. So the, when I talk institutions, mm -hmm. I talk about sovereign funds insurance companies, pension funds, superannuation companies. Yeah. So those groups are looking for managers to look after their capital as it relates to real estate exposure. Mm. So we attract that capital. Yeah. When I talk about wholesale money, I'm talking about sophisticated private investors. That could be family offices, could be wealthy people who, who want to, through their investment portfolio, want somebody to manage also their exposure to real estate. So yeah. we get both of those um, streams yeah, of capital. Yeah, and financial institutions are putting their clients into Qualitas as well, aren't they? That's right. As a part of their mix. Some are in shares, yep. bonds, so Qualitas gets a tick from some financial services groups. Yeah, in, independent financial advisors, yeah. um, wealth management groups within the banks, they yeah. also bring their clients to us. That's okay, right. so tell us when you get this money, Yes. how do you work out what you're going to, who you're going to give the money to? Right, okay. So, so that money comes to us in one of our funds, so we have various strategies all the way through the capital stack. And when I talk about the capital stack, that, that talks about where we sit in a lending structure, whether we're providing a first mortgage loan, a second mortgage loan, or whether we're doing an equity investment, a joint venture mm. transaction. So, so that capital comes to us with some sort of direction as to what type of risk those investors want yeah. to take on. Yeah. So if it is um, a low risk position, then we would direct that capital into a fund that's really just doing first mortgage loans. So that, mm. that could be just funding. Lower risk, lower return. Lower risk, it could be funding the acquisition of a commercial office building or mm. an industrial property, a retail suite. Yeah. It could be funding 10 residential units, but generally gearing that or providing a low 
loan to value ratio, so mm. lower risk, lower return. And, and if you look at that, that kind of uh, uh, su uh, support or funding, yes. you, you see it as a lower risk, and I presume therefore the returns are a little bit lower because it's lower risk. That's right, yeah. that's right. So, so well, what kind of returns are you talking about? Look, on a first, fairly simple first mortgage loan, at the moment we're sort of looking at six to eight percent. So, so you char you're charging the client that? We're charging the client that, yeah. and then we pass most of that through to the investor in the fund. So yeah. we obviously take a management fee spread for, yeah. for the cost of okay. our business and how we find the deals and manage those deals, mm. but largely the bulk of that return flows through to the fund returns. Okay, and then you got the risk curve. Yes. And as you get risk curve, you get more returns. That's right. So. Can an individual retail investor just go and invest in Qualitas? And if so, how do they do that? They can't, they've got to be wholesale to come into some of our larger yeah. um, funds. Yeah. So, so you've got, got, you got nothing listed that people can buy? We have a, we have a listed fund. Yeah. Um, it's a real estate um, income fund. Yeah. So all that does is invest in um, commercial real estate loans. That was a fund that we IPO'd yeah. in late November last year. So yeah. it's nearly 12 months old. Yeah. Through that IPO, we raised $231 million. Mm. Since then, we did a placement and we just did an entitlement offer and that fund now is up to $365 million. That fund purely invests in commercial loans that Qualitas finds yeah. and that is on the market and retail investors can buy and sell through a normal ASX. So, so there's, a, there's a unit price that yes. goes up and down, plus you get a dividend along the way. Well, it's a unit price, it listed at $1.60. Yeah. Technically, the, the unit price should not move because it's a loan, you don't have appreciation of a loan. The only real um, movement of that would be, I suppose, if you had an impairment of a loan in your portfolio, which yeah. caused the nest asset value of that portfolio to be lower. Mm. But technically, it should trade at its unit price. Okay. I think our experience over the last year of that um, that trust is that it hasn't traded below par. It sort of sat, I think, on average about a dollar sixty-three to dollar sixty-four. Okay. And yeah. what kind of interest has it been paying? Target return of that that trust is eight yeah. percent. We've been tra we haven't traded at eight percent. We've traded a little bit below that. It's a, it's a harder environment when you when you set the eight. It was kind of easier to think about eight. Our our environment has really push those sort of things down. Well, well I think two things have impacted. I think when, when we when we listed the rates were, cash rates were, uh, have moved 50 basis points f down from mm. then. However, the bank lending rate has actually dropped below 1%. one So it's a greater, more profound impact from that. So mm. it's 1% lower um, base cost of funding, if you like. Yeah. And also um, generally mm. there's competition for those loans in the market, given the, the chase for yield at the moment. Okay, so, so Tim, we've positioned you now I think th here are the questions that people would love me to ask you. Yes. Um, you you have to uh, work out who should get your money. Yeah. Um, and we've lived through a, a challenging time for residential real estate. Uh, do you lend money to people in the residential space, people who want to build residential properties? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, we, we're a, we're a large financier of um, of residential projects, medium How high density in in you know Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney predominantly. Okay. So how worried are you in lending to that space, given the fact we've gone, what, 17 and 18 were um, house price drops, seems to be a house price um, recovery now. Yeah. What's your professional view on the matter? Look, you're right, the, the, the market moved down. I think we were supplying a lot of apartments in our key cities. Mm. Um, I think at the beginning of this year, beginning of calendar year 19, the market was down, it was quite negative, uh, sentiment was poor. Mm. Um, people weren't buying, people were sitting on their hands, they weren't making decisions to buy mm. for their own use or they weren't making decisions to buy for investment purposes. 
I think what happened is we had some clear air through the election. So the Labor government was running a, a you know, negative gearing, change of policy, capital gains, change of policy. Yeah. People were really waiting for the election to happen to get some, some clear policy direction. Mm. Um, Labor didn't get into the, the election. That, that, that moved those negative policies, in my view, um, out of the uh, mainstream. Mm. Um, so that gave people some, some positive thinking and direction as to, you know, to make an investment decision or a decision to buy. Um, we had interest rate drops, um, which helped people as well. So I think gradually this year, because of those two key events we've had, sorry, the third event would be um, the APRA moving the serviceability sort of threshold down and giving the banks more flexibility in setting that. I think at the APRA set that at 7.25%. Mm. Now that I think the banks are setting that themselves around five. So that means people can borrow more. So there's three events really that we're have we're caused sentiment to improve. Tax cuts as well, probably will tax cuts, come yeah. in the mix as well. So all of that um, has improved sentiment. And, and sentiment is a major driver of, of residential markets. Yeah. So it really means people need the confidence to to buy and make a decision. Now they've got to also make that decision in light of their own circumstances. Yeah. How are they feeling about job security? How are they feeling about things generally? Yeah. So, so things that outside of their control, you know, are very important. So yeah. well, that's, that's my next question, Tim. Yeah. Okay. So in a sense, you're, you're happy that the health of the uh, residential ma uh, market is improving because the, the availability of loans have yeah. improved and yeah. attitudes improved. But what about the economic outlook? Because we, we, we know we've got a slowing economy. Mm. Is your analysis that this economy is likely to improve and therefore you're more confident to lend? Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of things. I think just in terms of the residential property, I'd also say that through our own uh, transactions and anecdotally what we're hearing, a lot of finished stock in residential or inventory that developers are holding is selling. So when you've got a completed apartment building and mm. you've sold a lot of them and you may have some leftover stock that you hang on as inventory mm. what we're doing we're seeing at the moment is that's moving and that's selling because it wasn't people in, some, in 17 and 18 well no it's it no. slowed down but now it is actually selling so that's stock that's on the market so any perceived oversupply in our key markets is now being absorbed mm. and what's not happening is, is new stock is coming through so you've got that supply demand now is starting to tilt um, back towards needing more supply. We don't think that's going to happen immediately. We mm. think it's a late 20 or 21 sort of event where you'll see more supply mm. coming on. So, so fundamentally, you're seeing that market move because of that. In terms of people circumstances, as I said, sentiment's a big driver. Mm. People have to feel very comfortable that one, their own circumstances are secure, but secondly, is the market moving in, a, in their favour? Yeah. Uh, you know, people won't buy if they think the market's going to go backwards or if there's a drop. But at the moment, as we said, there's some confidence in the market. And I think people are now saying, you know, maybe it's a good time now to start looking around and, and buying. So mm. I don't think the pre-sale market is back. And the pre-sale market is people who buy before a development has actually commenced. So they're off the plan buyers. You, know, you have a bit of confidence for that, don't you? You need massive confidence. And, mm. and the market has taken a hit. There's been some negative um, issues in the market around building quality, cracking, those sorts of things. That's another yeah. dent in how people uh, see things. Yeah. But is this something that you've always worried about because this is your game yeah. you're lending money to, yeah. to people who build stuff yeah. and you want that stuff to be brilliant so yeah. it sells the person can pay back all the money and everyone's happy yeah are you worried a bit about the caliber of of apartment building and the cladding issue oh look I, i'm worried to the extent that there are cladding issues you, you can't get away from that there's cladding that was was approved for use and was signed off by proper consultants 
in past times. Yeah. Now that's that's proved, you know, in going forward now it's proved that that probably wasn't appropriate cladding. So yeah. that's a, that's an issue that has to be dealt with. I think in building quality, the key for us is dealing with, you know, when we lend money to somebody, you're 100% right. Ultimately, that person and that borrower group needs is, is responsible to pay that money back to you. Yeah. And you've got to make sure you lend your money to the appropriate people on the appropriate project. You look at all factors around a project in terms of um, the quality of it, where it's situated, why is that project going to sell? What's the amenity in the area? Is there transport? Why does somebody actually want to live in that apartment building, for instance? So no. you really got to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's going to live there and, and understand what makes that building work. Really importantly is, is making sure that the builder who is putting that project together and, and actually physically building it is very capable. And that's what they've been doing for a long time and their skills are appropriate. They, they use appropriate subcontractors to, to bring in the certain trades, whether it's plumbing or formwork or mm. concrete and those sorts of things. So, so I think what's happening in the market then, it's very negative. Um, however, the, the, up, you know, the positive out of that is that it'll be a better industry coming out of what's happened at the moment. So it's unfortunate what's happened. I don't think it's widespread as it relates to building quality and cracking and those mm. sorts of things. We've had some unfortunate incidents, mm. but I think what will come out of it, and I think last week the New South Wales government announced some new measures in terms of signing off on the quality of buildings. So mm. that's a positive and, and hopefully will improve sentiment as well. Was there ever any time over the last year or so where you went to the office and said, these buildings we've lent to, are, are they all good? <laughs> Look, I mean, you have you, you do wake up. Is that a yes? That's no, not a yes. But you, I've woken up in the middle of the night a couple of times. But I think in the end, you've just got to go back to your fundamentals yeah. and lend to the people who've been doing it for twenty or thirty years mm. and very successfully, and their net worth is strong because of their successful track record. Yeah. And builders who know what they're doing and and employ appropriate subcontractors. Yeah. I think if you, I think if you um, are doing uh, cheaper projects with people who haven't got experience, then you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Um, You've been doing this for quite some time and you would have probably benefited from the period when foreigners were buying a lot of Australian property and APRA then basically yeah. cracked down on it. I've heard that foreigners are starting to sneak back into the market. Are you seeing any sign of that? No, we, have, we haven't actually. I mean, You'd like it, for, I guess, to well, sh bought, sh shore up the market? Yeah, I think at a retail level for, for foreigners to buy apartments and support the market. I think they're always going to be a part of the Australian market. Mm. We're attached to Asia and part of Asia, so I think you'll always have foreign buyers coming in to buy yeah. um, stock in Australia. At a wholesale level where you had um, you know, foreign money coming in buying sites, development sites and developing, particularly yeah. Chinese, that, that's gone. You know, we, don't, we haven't seen any of that and that's mm. still working through the market. There's mm. still people who paid too much for sites um, in the la back end of the last cycle, so 17, 18, and those sites are, are working through the market. But mm. at a retail level and people who buy apartments, I think certainly foreigners uh, went away and some of that was because of just the market conditions, but also the government did put impositions on foreign buyers in terms of increased stamp duty, et cetera. So that's a, that's a hindrance to the market. And mm. you know, I don't necessarily think that's appropriate. Um, I get why the government's done it in terms of you know, not inflating prices unnecessarily and, and for foreigners to outbid, if you like, local, local buyers. But in the end, you know, foreign buyers, you know, <coughs> we're free market, foreign buyers will buy into our market mm. and they will be part of our fabric, yeah. All right, last one, mate, um, a lot of alarmists like to believe that there's going to be an avalanche of apartments and this is going to create another leg down for house prices. I would have figured in your game um, you'd have a, a, a pretty good handle on whether an oversupply of apartments is going to be a problem for your business. Yeah, we look pretty heavily at, 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 and closely at 
any apartment development you look at and why that's going to work in a certain area. I think what's happened at the moment, I think there's going to be a fundamental change to the market. I mean, we've had maybe 25 years of apartment development where we have this pre-sale regime in place where before a developer can actually start building and activate their finance, mm. they need 80 to 100% of their loan covered in purchase contracts from buyers. Mm. That's been in place for that couple of decades And banks plus. have basically insisted, haven't they? Banks have insisted, non-banks have insisted upon it. So, But that's changed now. I don't think we're going to see that level of pre-sale at that level for some time. I don't think we'll get there. So. Mm. What's important to make sure supply is delivered to the market is that banks, non-banks, alternate lenders um, look at helping fund some of these projects at a lower level of pre-sales because you're not going to get those 100% cover positions at the moment. So yeah. I think it's more about actually making sure supply comes on than being worried about too much supply. In the end, um, you're not going to developers aren't going to speculate on a on a tower. They won't get finance on that basis. Mm -hmm. You'll need a level of sales to justify and to demonstrate the um, demand for that project, the liquidity in the market, etc. Mm. So I think it's more about helping supply than worried about oversupply. And do you think, as a consequence, there'll be less high rise and more lower rise? Because a might be easier to sell a lower rise apartment, and banks might be more prepared to lend to one of those sort of. Oh no! Look, I, I, I'm of the view that we'll continue to see high rise. Mm. It's a good use of land. You know, people mm. are getting used to vertical living. Um, so, and, and you know, Sydney is a good example. We don't, you know, we don't have a lot of spare land. It's expensive, mm. so it makes sense for me that we we build up and we build close to transport, close to amenity, and those sorts of things. We don't have the the benefit or luxury of having great um, land holdings where you can put low rise. And, and in the end, we you know we need people to be live um, close to their work environment as well. Okay, thanks, Tim. No worries. Thanks, Peter. That's Tim Johansson from Qualitas. Basically the economic analysis is very interesting, macroeconomic analysis, and of course Peter's very entertaining. Uh, well I come every year, or every twice a year, and I love it because I get so much information and I run my own super fund, so for me it's really, really good. It's been very, very informative and uh, I must admit some of these uh, share fund managers, they're, they're quite funny. And uh, I think they've made it uh, such a pleasure to be here. So I've loved it. Uh, looking forward to doing something with my money and becoming rich. <laughs> Got a lot of people like who are very talented people in the industry. We are getting expert at one place. So that's one of the best thing I've found here. And uh, I would like to thank Peter Switzer for organizing this for us. Just having the exposure into the market and looking at um, constructing a portfolio, so I think it'll be just a great experience. Just you know, meeting a lot of people as well. Oh, I really enjoyed it because I came really make uh, looking for you know some income stream um, because it's just not worthwhile for me to keep my money in the bank anymore, and it's given me some really good ideas. You know the options that are available there. So yeah, it's been really positive. really interesting about like yeah going into investing and more like building your wealth for the future and not just relying on say like an income and 
I've always believed in a, a great line <clears throat> that my wife taught me, Maureen, uh, but she quoted William Blake once and she said, she said, uh, Blake once said, without controversy there's no progress. And that's in many ways the relationship I've got with Paul and the relationship I've got with Maureen as well. Um, in, in relation with Maureen I always say, you know, um, um, I, she actually decided to become my life coach even though I didn't even know I needed one. Um, and, uh, but without her looking at me the way a, a Labrador watches a sausage at a barbecue, finding out what I'm doing wrong and actually telling me how I could fix myself up, um, I wouldn't be here today. So that's why I always say behind every successful man's a very surprised woman. 